Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? Uh, sorry about that. Uh, this is part two of the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, we were talking about the Saints' offense. Um, you know, I'm sorry I had to t- uh, go away for a few minutes. Um, I'm actually at the radio station right now, and we're in the process of doing a little bit of, a, of some renovation and uh, putting up a, a new system. Uh, so there was a, a delivery uh, that took place, and uh, the package was extremely heavy, so I had to go out there and help out and, uh, you know, bring it to the location where it was. So uh, I apologize for that. I uh, hope that everybody uh, is having a good good day uh, so far. Uh, Shouts out to everybody that was here for the first uh, edition. Uh, but we are talking about the Saints offense, and we're going to continue to do so. Uh, for those that uh, may not have heard uh, the first part of this uh, this episode, I had to, like I said, I had to cut it off and come on back. Uh, we we're talking about how the Saints can improve uh, their offense. Uh, one thing that we brought up, uh, number one, uh, was putting emphasis on the running game. Uh, the running game looks really, really good. Uh, another thing is, uh, you know, setting up the play action for Jameis Winston using the running game. And also we talked about utilizing Taysom Hill, you know, as more of a, that Swiss Army role. And I think there are opportunities for that. Uh, another thing I think the Saints need to focus on is trying to utilize Deontay Hardy a little bit more. You know, I understand that uh, last year Deontay Hardy was more of the Saints' downfield threat, and now you bring in Chris Olave, who I think is very talented and has a lot of promise and will be very, very, very good. But I think there's different types of speed uh, that these guys possess. Chris Olave is fast, uh, but I feel like when it comes to Deontay Hardy, he's not only fast, but he's extremely uh, elusive uh, as well so I think that there's ways that you can use Deontay Hardy we know how explosive he is uh, people talk about his size oh he's not the biggest guy in the world he's small but that that doesn't matter you know I think that you need to add to that I think there's ways that you can use uh, more offensive innovation by adding Deontay Hardy to this offense um, and the most important thing of all you know most important thing this is very important how about utilizing Michael Thomas? Okay, Michael Thomas, all these questions about Michael Thomas. Is he going to play? Is he good enough? Is he going to be the Michael Thomas of old? The man been straight up balling. Uh, he got three touchdowns in two weeks. Uh, I think he has, you know, about 11 catches right now. The dude basically took over the fourth quarter, and he was open the majority of the game. For some apparent reason, the New Orleans Saints decided to go down the field and stretch the field and, and try to go to Olave several times, which – it, to to uh, Jameis' defense, it worked. It's just the fact that uh, he wasn't as accurate as we needed him to be on last week. So there were opportunities, and I can understand that. There was there was a fine line between a pass being overthrown and us talking about Chris Olave having a monster game. I mean, he was open. So to to uh, the Saints' uh, defense offensively, that the play was there. They just got to be able to get it to him. But Michael Thomas has been balling out there. He's been finding ways to get open. I think that I mean I hate to be comparing this, but I feel like if this was a game where we seen like Drew Brees or something like that, I think Michael Thomas probably would have went over 100 yards in this game because he was that open. And we also know that he has the ability to get those yards after the catch. So I think that you need to utilize Michael Thomas. I mean, he is your ex receiver. Uh, he is a guy that you know that can get open. You know he can find those uh, spots in the in the defense, those soft spots. So I think that you need to utilize this. Look, I don't think that this is going to be uh, one of those games that just the start of something that that we don't want to see. I think that this is one of those games that honestly they needed to see. 
they needed to see this offensively when it comes to like Jameis throwing the ball because I'm pretty sure in film for the next couple of days as they're watching this, they're gonna he's gonna see those opportunities and maybe he'll be able to bounce back. Well, not maybe he will be able to bounce back because I think that going forward he'll start seeing what the defense uh, is giving him and he'll just take take advantage of that and that will set up those plays down the field. But it, honestly, it all comes uh, by running the football and I just think that. Uh, you know, the Saints have been known historically uh, throughout the time Drew Brees was here and, and and Sean Payton was here. And they're known as that finesse team, that vertical threat team that can get the ball uh, down the field and put up a whole bunch of points and a bunch of yards. Look, once again, I do not care how the Saints look offensively as long as the end, at the end of the day, they win more games than they lose. And I just think that if you're looking for uh, being that explosive offense and throwing for 400 yards and throwing for five touchdowns, I just think that that's just a waste of time. I think that uh, they need to stop being so conservative. I think that they need to be a little bit more aggressive. I, I think the coaches, to me, for the last couple of weeks, have been coaching pretty scared. Uh, they've been coaching not to make a mistake. Sometimes you have to be aggressive. Sometimes you got to go out there and you got to trust those guys that are out there. And I just feel like the the, the coaching staff – it's way too conservative um, from the from the the choice of actually punting instead of bringing Will Lutz out there. And I just didn't like the and the answer Dennis Allen gave in a press conference. He was talking about, well, you know, what what if you would have missed? But that's one of those things where you have to have confidence in a guy like Will Lutz. We've seen Will Lutz kick a 58 yard field goal to win a game, right? Versus the Houston Texans a couple of years ago, he kicked a 51 yard field goal uh last the week week before last uh versus the atlanta falcons so i don't understand like what more do you need to see that you have yourself a pretty good kicker and i get it he missed the kick early in you know early in the game last week versus the atlanta falcons a week before last but still i mean you, you got to be able to trust these guys and i just think that coaching scared not being aggressive not being able to go out there and trust your team to be able to make the play I think that that's going to come back and haunt you. Like I just think that too many people are playing scared uh, on his team and in his organization right now. Too many people playing scared. Too many people worrying about what other people may think. Too many many people worrying about what Monday morning quarterback going to do. I don't know. But all I know is the best teams and the teams that are always there in the end, those are the teams that's not afraid to trust their team. So I just think that not trusting Will Lutz to kick a long field goal when you know he's capable of doing so. Uh, I think that, you know, by not taking what the defense gives you uh, in the form of uh, Jameis Winston last week, instead of trying to be too aggressive, I think that costs you. And also, you know, the fact that Mark Ingram fumbled going away from the running game, I think that that costs you. So it's just one of those things where I just feel like you have to be able to be aggressive. You got to have confidence. You know, I know sometimes, you know, it was hit and miss with Sean Payton. And sometimes we talk about Sean Payton's ego. But one thing that we do know that Sean Payton, he trusts the process. And if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. I think he felt like, well, I'd rather us not convert and me just thinking in the back of my mind, what would have happened if, you know, if I would have went for this play instead of punting, right? Uh, so I just think that you have to be a little bit more aggressive, okay? I, look, everybody trying to seem like they're trying to sustain their position. Look, you can't sustain your position by being conservative, right? You go out there and you let it all hang out and you do what's best and you execute to the best of your ability, and that is what's going to keep you around. But I just think that you, you're you not going to win many games. 
and you're going to find yourself uh, in plenty nip-tuck games if you're just trying to do the right thing all the time. Like the the, the numbers say I should punt. The numbers say I should have ran instead of passed, the uh, pass instead of run. Like, look, man, sometimes you got to go out there and just try to be aggressive. And I just think that the offense can't play like that. It seems like they're playing scared. And, and another thing is uh, you can't just – Rely on your defense to just go out there and, and complete and, and constantly get stops. You know, sometimes, you know, you got to have that offense. I mean, they've been giving the ball back to the offense over the last couple of weeks, and the offense has done absolutely nothing. So maybe they can put emphasis on a running game, especially since more than likely Alvin Kamara will be back. Uh, they said he could have played last week, but they decided to uh, keep him out as a precaution, which I do agree with that because I, I mentioned, like, if it's, it's early in the season, you don't want to lose Kamara trying to play him in week two and then he end up re-aggravating the injury and you end up losing him to about week seven or week eight. So you don't want that. So I I, I like the move with that, but hopefully uh, they can get uh, on track when it comes to the offense and maybe they can be a little bit more aggressive uh, going forward versus uh, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they got 77 people watching this right now. I ask that you hit the like button if you enjoy the State of the Saints podcast. We're going to go ahead and read some of your comments and then we're going to go from there. It says uh, we got way too many weapons to even lose, I feel. Well, look, I don't care how much how much talent you have on your team. I don't care how many weapons you have. Look, there are some really talented teams in the National Football League. They play really good defense, and these guys stay up at night in order to try to shut down what your team does best. So I just think that even if you think that, oh, well, we got this, we got this, we got all this over here, and you just think that that's just a recipe for undefeated season, uh, I just think that they're sadly mistaken. I think that, um, you know, there's no coincidence that there are only two undefeated teams uh, in the National Football League when it comes to the regular season. That's the 72 Dolphins and the 2007 Patriots, okay? It's hard to win in this league. I don't care how much talent you got. I don't care how, much, how great your defense is, how great your offense is. There are teams that can scheme against you, and they can get that win, you know? And, and it doesn't always have to come in the form of some of the most elite teams in the National Football League. I mean, you got some of the, the the bottom feeders of the National Football League that are capable of beating some of the elites, you know, any any given Sunday. So I just think that we need to suspend that and get that out of our mind. I, I don't care about, you know, having weapons galore to a point where I'm putting up 50 points where, you know, I can feel like I can brag to my friends that probably rock, that, that like rival teams. I don't care about that. I care about offensive execution. You know, I care. that's what I care about. I don't care about – bombs away and going down the field and all these exotic plays what i care about is them being effective all four quarters now no matter how effective you are offensively you're not going to score on every drive but you want to be able to sustain drives uh more times than not and to set up maybe a field goal if you can't get a touchdown and you know and, and setting up touchdowns as well and if you can't even get a touchdown you want to be able to be at least midfield where if your opponent goes out there to punt he can pin uh, the opponent back so you, you need a good offense I'm not too concerned about all these weapons I, I know what these weapons are going to end up being but right now you got to be able to put this thing together in order for you to be able to win some games and not shoot yourself in the foot uh, the last couple of weeks I just feel like the Saints uh, kind of shot themselves in the foot in the game versus Atlanta I just think that was to me that was a little bit more of they didn't know what to expect, right? You have a new quarterback. You, you used to playing Matt Ryan. He's been you've been playing him for about 11, 12 years. He's going away. Now you have a guy who who can you make plays with his legs and they can do some different things offensively. So you didn't know how to approach that. 
Well, I, I give you the benefit of the doubt. But the game versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I just think that they made way too many mistakes. And uh, when you're going up against a team with a really good defense like that, you can't afford to make mistakes, right? You you, you just can't you just can't afford to uh, do that. You know, this is you know I, I like to use boxing examples, and I want to tell you all about this uh you know this boxing match that I remember. Uh, it was a um, uh, Winky Wright, right? Winky Wright versus uh, Felix Trinidad. Uh, this was a while back, right? Um, Tito Trinidad uh, was one of the best welterweights in all of the world, right? He was really, really talented. And everybody uh, thought that he was just going to annihilate Winky Wright. And um, they actually had a big boxing match, right? It wasn't nothing exciting. It wasn't nothing to write home about. The The storyline of the entire boxing match was Winky Wright jab, right? It was like, Tito Trinidad tried to do all these different combinations and here comes Winky Wright with the jab and he jabbed his way to a a decision at the end of the fight. Right. It wasn't the best thing in the world. Everybody thought he was going to get knocked out. But my whole point about that is, you know, when it came to Tom Brady, Tom Brady didn't throw no combinations. Tom Brady didn't do the overhand right. He didn't do the overhand left. He didn't hit nobody with no uppercut. All he did uh, for, you know, in, in other words, for 12 straight rounds, he just hit him with the jab, right? He just went out there, didn't make many mistakes. He just took what the defense gave him. He understood that the Saints defense was good, but I'm not going to beat my team. I'm just going to stay ahead of the curve. Just like Winky Wright did with Tito Trinidad, that's what happened with Tom Brady. Wasn't You know, it wasn't the best thing in the world, and we smack our lips like, man, you know, he ain't do nothing. But sometimes you got to realize and you have to concede, like, okay, man, it, you know, they don't seem like it's going to be – what we want it to be today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to just go out there and do my thing. Look, I just think that it was too early in the game for some of those aggressive plays. Um, if they were called, then I definitely feel like uh, it, it was way, it was way too early in the game. You still had plenty of time to go out there and execute and you didn't do it. So the saints in that, you know, I just feel like in that game, they got out coached and, you know, I, I, they got out coached. Um, in, in some of those situations. And um, I just think that the fact that they didn't want to be too conservative uh, down the stretch when they should have been, you know what I'm saying? Take it with the defense, give them is what got them beat. But you got to know when to be conservative and you got to know when not to be. They're more conservative than not. But in that case, they, they picked the wrong time not to be conservative. Uh, stroll back up a little bit. Thank y'all for being here, man. Thank y'all. Appreciate it. We got Slim South says, yeah, feed Mike T uh, more and more till they stop him, which they cannot. St- All right. I think we had a little issue, man. Like I said, we haven't we have a little issue here, you know, with the with the Internet connection, because what what the station is actually doing, we're we're inputting a a brand new transmitter. You know, transmitter that we had uh, has been a part of the station for 17 years. So now uh, we're going to a more modernized uh, transmitter. So that that calls for a lot of things to get pulled out uh, as far as wiring um, connections and stuff like that. So. 
We're just trying to get a, a transmitter that gives us a stronger reception. You know, so that's that's what's going on. That's why I had to leave the you know for the first show because there was a part that we need for the transmitter install here at the station. We needed to uh, bring that to the uh, to the tower. So that's why if, you know if I'm glitching a little bit. I'm buffering. I apologize. They they're working at the transmitter. They're moving some things around. Uh, the Panthers will come after Jameis now, knowing he is hurt. Well, look, I, look. I think they're gonna come after Jameis anyway because. Uh, Jameis uh, has not, you know, really done that well against the blitz when, when they're sending pressure. So and then not to mention uh, he's been holding on to the ball too long. You know, those uh, 10 sacks that the offensive line have given up um, a few of those sacks. You can kind of put on Jameis for holding on to the ball too long. Uh, you you, you got to let that ball go. I mean, you know, holding on to the ball more than three seconds, more times than not. Going to end up allowing your offensive line to look. Uh, you know, more, you know, worse than what they actually are. I don't think the offensive line of the Saints are that bad. I just think that you got to be able to work with them. Now, there are times where they're going to get beat, but there are other times where they're giving you uh, perfect protection by NFL standards, and you're not going out there and, 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 you know, and getting the ball out and you get a sack, that's on the offensive line. It makes them look like, oh, they're not doing their job. It kind of reminds me of um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, like with Ben Roethlisberger early in his career. He would hold on to the ball too long, and they'll end up getting sacked, and everybody would talk about how bad the Steelers' offensive line is. But I don't feel like some of those sacks were an indication of how the offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers actually were. I just think that nobody really looks at uh, how the sack took place. They just say, oh, the offensive line gave up these many sacks, right? Sometimes it's not even offensive line fault, you know. Uh, they, I mean, by NFL standards, you should be able to hold your guy for at least about three seconds, right, for for the quarterback to be able to del- deliver the ball. If you're not doing that, then maybe you need to look at the quarterback. Uh, some ca- in some cases, yeah, you know what I'm saying, they did sack the quarterback because of the offensive line, but there are times where Jameis held on to the ball too long. You got to be able to let that thing go. Uh, this is a wake-up for the Saints offense. Well, I don't know. I mean, I just think that they've been playing bad. You know, I just think that they need to have uh, a complete performance. Now, we can say that, you know, this is one of the main reasons why uh, you got to play the preseason games, right? That was some people say. I don't believe that. I mean, I, I didn't see Josh Allen out there that much during preseason, you know, and they putting up about 41 points. Of, I've seen – uh, I didn't see Tua out there too much, you know, or, or Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle in Miami that much, you know, but they out there putting up all them yards. So I don't think that playing in the preseason will, is a deciding factor, like how your offense is going to uh, respond. I just think that it's way too conservative in New Orleans. It's just way, it's way too much uh, fear. And I'm afraid, and I hope this is not the case. But I'm afraid that based on last week, they might end up being even more conservative. And I don't I don't want that. Right. Jameis uh, turns the ball over three times, uh, two intercepts and one of them was a pick six, you know, and they just sit there and like, I don't know. I just think that if you're trying to throw the ball 40 times. Right. Why? My question was, like, why were the Saints even throwing the ball 40 times? Like, to me, if you're throwing the ball 40 times, it's like you should be 
way behind. You know, it's like the, when you start reaching 40 and 45 times, it's like you playing from behind. So you got to sling that thing. Seven minutes and 49 seconds until like the fourth quarter. This game was tied at three. So to me, I just think that throwing the ball over and over and over again and not putting emphasis on the run, maybe because a guy fumbled, is is dumb. You know, that's just dumb. You just basically just, you know, taking your team out of the game. And eventually, if the, if teams start to catch on, like you throwing more, more so than you running, then they can really pin their ears back and come after you. My coach told me, uh, you can make mistakes. Just make sure if you do make them, uh, you're going 100 miles an hour. Like you said, TJ, we're not playing confident football offense. No, not at all. Uh, and it comes from the play caller. I just think that pe- too many people – I, I, too many people too scared in my opinion they too scared they're too timid it's not enough aggression for me like this is a talented football team but it's just something is missing it's just something missing I, I i'm not seeing swag i'm not seeing confident i'm not seeing guys believing in in the play you know what i'm saying like i i, I mean not not the way that they're they're calling these plays in my opinion it just seems like they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win I mean, go back and look at it. It just seemed like it's just way too conservative, you know, way too conservative. Um, look, man, you got to go for you got to go with what works. I don't know if, you know, we trying to keep everybody morale high. So we're going to throw the ball this way, throw the ball that way. We're going to run with this person, run with that person. Look, man, you got to go for what works. And if you have a really good, potent running game, look, you you run that rock. You know, you run that rock. You get them to try to stop you. And I'm very confident in this running game because Tampa Bay's, uh, you know, defensive line is really good. So you and being able to run against them and be able to get positive yards and averaging five yards a carry as a, as a running back group, that's that's optimistic to me. That's positivity to me. So it, it tells me that you can actually run the ball. So if you can run the ball against Tampa, I feel like you can run the ball against anybody. Now there's different there's different levels to this, right? There's different ways teams can scheme against you, but I just feel like that it don't really get any better than that when it comes to uh, run defense, right? I mean, we're up there with them, you know, more times than not. I mean, we do, we basically shut down uh, Leonard Fournette. He had like two yards of carry. So going up against Tampa and being able to get running success against them, I just feel like that should be something that's positive, and that's something that you may need to look at. Once again, I understand people love the passing game. They love seeing those passes getting thrown down the field. They love uh, watching these players get behind the defense and catch one of those big bombs. But, man, I care more about winning than long bombs down the field, right? I mean, people were talking about the deep ball, the deep ball, the deep ball for years. Like, we ain't got no deep ball. We Look, I, I, don't, I don't think the deep ball is necessary. I think the deep ball – needs to be in the back of a team's mind, right? I think that that's what it comes down to. Like, if you see a quarterback and you know that he's not going to – he doesn't have the ability to throw the ball down the field, it can change the way that you play defensively, right? But if you have a quarterback, even if he's not throwing the ball all the way down the field, but you know he has the capability of doing so, you still have to respect the fact that he can throw the ball down the field. I don't feel like throwing a ball down the field needs to be an actual thing all the time. I just think that teams need to respect the arm talent of your quarterback. That is the key. So I don't care how they win. You know, if, if 
they're, they're running the football successfully. I'm telling you, you, you have to take into that into account. That's when you start seeing guys eight, nine in a box, right? And then that sets up a, a lot of man-to-man coverage. And if you have talented wide receivers like Michael Thomas and Alave and Landry, those guys are going to win their one-on-one matchup. So even if you're like dialing it up down the field because Alave gets behind the defender or the fact that uh, Michael Thomas uh, wins his uh, matchup on a shallow cross or you know, a Jarvis Landry on a slant route or something like that, you know, like you're still winning. You're still getting the ball down the field. So I just think that you need to utilize that. The running game to me sets up endless possibilities for this offense, endless possibilities for this offense. So that's the way, that's the way I feel about that. I'm going to stroll down just a little bit. Uh, 133 people watching this right now. Please hit the like button. And also I just want to acknowledge everybody uh, that has been watching this show for the last five years. We uh, reached a milestone on y- yesterday, last episode, uh, the State of the Saints podcast reached episode 1,000, man. We've had 1,000 episodes of the State of the Saints podcast. So just want to say to everybody out there that has ever watched the show, viewing the show, uh, shared the show, been on the show, thank you all so much for uh, trusting and believing uh, in the State of the Saints podcast, believing in me, uh, you know, and watching, you know, this show all all these years. And I really do appreciate that. And any guests that we ever had on the show, I want to say thank them as well. Um, that's that's a great feat. You know, the fact that, you know, we had a thousand episodes and had over two million views as a as a podcast is, is extremely uh, humbling and great. And uh, we're, we're just getting started, man. We're just getting started. Uh, Chosen says, TJ, another thing we may not pay attention to is that Kamara is good at picking up blitz. He's a pretty good blocker. We missed that last week as well. Yeah, I mean, he is uh, a good blitz pickup. But if I had to choose Chosen out of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, like who better at picking up the blitz, I'll go with Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is really good at that. I just think that, once again, I think he fumbled that football, and I just think that the Saints – for some apparent reason, they just like just threw it out. Maybe it's because they I don't know if they don't, they just don't believe in, you know, Dwayne Washington or, or T- uh, Tony Jones. I don't know what's going on with that. But all I know is uh, you're a really good running team. And as, as a head coach, as a coordinator, you, you got to be able to pay attention to that. I don't care if you have to hire somebody that just picks up, you know what I'm saying, like what you're, you're actually doing as far as plays and they like, well, when we ran this play earlier, you know what I'm saying? Like, it seems like to me, like, we can run the ball. So, I think you need to, like, if, even if you have to have some offensive counseling or something, I don't know. But I just think that the the offensive line was blocking too well when it came to the run for them to just get away from it and just throw themselves completely out of the game. You know, it, it's just – it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? You got about seven minutes left. Yeah, Tampa scored. We We talked about all that. But it still was 10 to 3. It wasn't like it was 27 to 3. It wasn't like it was 28 to 3. It was, it's not, you know, like you still were in the game. All you needed was a touchdown. Heck, if, if you would have just got down there and got a field goal, and then the way that your defense was playing, you could have possibly made a stop, right? And then got the ball back and probably, you know, had an opportunity to win with maybe like three or two minutes left on the clock. Like there were different ways that you can actually utilize that. But I just think that being too aggressive, Looking at the game like, oh, man, their defense is just stonewalling us and we're not getting to, you know, we're not getting close to the red zone. 
So we got to do something. We got to do something here. We down by seven. Like, man, take what the defense gives you. You know, take it. Take what they give you. Like, you don't know what happened. Okay, we're we're saying that you know Michael Thomas was open on a shallow cross. Right, throw the ball to Michael Thomas. They say it was supposed to be like a five to seven yard game. Who's to say that he couldn't break a tackle or maybe get separation from a guy? And that seven yards could have been like fourteen or fifteen yards. Like we don't know. But when you just start to panic and just like, okay, man, like we it is is nut cutting time here. We need to get down the field. Like, no, man, like you still had enough time. Like you had are you at this time, you had all your timeouts. All, you know, and if you're just nickel and dominant down the field, like it still gives you and sets up an opportunity for Will Lust to go out there and kick a field goal. And once again, that still points on the board. Even if he missed, you still can have, you know what I'm saying, have another opportunity to tie the game. There there were so many ways that you can actually approach this, and I just feel like the Saints just, I don't know, man, just like they just panicked, you know, by by calling all them passing plays and trying to throw the ball down the field. Like, it, it just took them out of the game. If and all Like, basically, it, it's like having a, the score of zero to zero. Like, you, you still had an open playbook. It wasn't like, oh, I got to flip the page. 47 where all the passing plays at you know like you still had this game you still had an opportunity to win and i just think that it, it was just it it was it was panic mode i don't know if it was you know because of the fight people were frustrated people just like didn't have the ego in check but it just wasn't a good thing hey tj i've never understood sacks like why wouldn't a quarterback just throw the ball out of bounds instead of losing yardage well, it, it all depends, you know, um, when it comes to the sack, right? So if a quarterback is running, right, run trying to run away from the defender, his back is turned. Like his, his back is faced the opposite way of where the play is actually going, right? He can't just sling that thing out of bounds, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, one, you know, like there'd probably be no wide receiver in the vicinity. Or number two, he's still in the tackle box. So you can't, like, just throw the ball out, like, you know, in the tackle box, you can't just throw the ball out of bounds. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a receiver has to be somewhere in the vicinity. That's why, like, one thing that I used to love about Drew Brees, if uh, if Drew Brees realized, okay, my first read, my second read, cover, what he'll do is he'll probably throw the ball at the feet of Elvin Kamara or something. Like if it was a screenplay and the screen didn't develop, he'll just throw it at his feet. You know, like that. It, but I just think that, that's what separates the good quarterbacks from the great quarterbacks. Those those separate the good decision makers from the okay decision makers to the not so good uh, decision makers. All right, so you, is there certain rules that they have to apply by? Right, you you got to have a receiver like in a in a vicinity. Right, so if if a uh, <laughs> and you know you got to be somewhere like in his area. So if somebody chasing you, right, and they chasing you full speed and you running full speed, like. Not many quarterbacks can do what Mahomes doing, just sling that thing 20 yards. Like we seen, we seen Patrick Mahomes like get tackled and he just slung the ball while he was falling down and it still hit the end zone. It was like 40 yards. Like that's just great arm talent. But you have these other guys out here, man. If you're under duress and you're running, you know, it's kind of gonna be kind of hard if a if a wide receiver is like 10, 15 yards upfield and you're trying to get the ball to him, he's not gonna be in the vicinity. So that would be considered intentional grounding. And you'll, you know, it's it's a penalty and you lose a down. So there are rules that they have to apply by. So that's the reason why, you know, some would just actually take the sack. So that that 
that's pretty much why, you know, quarterbacks just don't just be looking for out of bounds. <laughs> yep, the offense is looking soft. Uh, oh, it's timing, boss. Uh, what you think will happen to Winston if uh, we don't make the playoffs? Uh, he, know, he, he won't be the quarterback on his team next year. I mean, it's just plain and simple. I mean, if you want somebody to sugarcoat and say, you know, well, you know, they might give him another chance. No, he won't. Um, this is this is Jameis Winston's last opportunity. You know, this this is it. This is it for him, Mike, because here, here's the reality. Okay, you can talk about Tampa Bay and the ineptitude of coaching and snake bidding franchise and not being able to, like, produce real good head coaches and, you know what I'm saying, be able to, you know, have a good team offensively or defensively. But, you know, you got Tom Brady that comes in, that same team that you basically had for the exception of a couple of pieces. But, you know, I mean, we know the narrative, right? It was the same team that that uh, Jameis Winston had. Tom Brady came in and they won. That's the narrative. People live with it, regardless of how you want to spin it and the reality of it, you know, <laughs> the reality of what people believe in reality that we actually believe are two different things. Tom Brady comes in first year, wins the Super Bowl. Why can't Jameis do it? Then he throws the 30 interceptions. Everybody likes to constantly talk about, it, especially when he turns the ball over. And not to mention, now you're coming to a team with all this talent. You got Michael Thomas, all pro, pro bowler. Jarvis Landry, a pro bowler. Chris Olave, one of the top college football wide receivers uh, in, in college football history, right? And not to mention, you got Alvin Kamara, arguably one of the best running backs, top five running backs. So the question going to be on everybody's mind is, what's your excuse? And not to mention, like, you have a really good defense. So there's not many excuses, like, you can use. Why, you know, like, the even if if the Saints make the playoffs, if the Saints make the playoffs, I feel like his job could possibly be salvaged. If he has, you know what I'm saying, he have a, a good season, they make the playoffs, and let's just say they get put out of playoffs. Still, you know, I think that, you know, he more than likely, you know, would be able to, they'll probably extend him. Like, if he, if he has a good season, they make the playoffs, they dare in the end, you know, I think they'll do it. Um, if if he, you know, continues down this, win one, lose one, 400 yards one week, 170 yards next week, you know, like four touchdowns one week, two interceptions the next week, they're not going to keep him because you got to be consistent more times than not. I'm not, I'm not telling you what I feel. I'm telling you what, is, what, what it is. So, so I know some people might get mad and be like, man, it, you know, it's week two. And yes, I feel that way. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just talking about it uh, in, a, in a wider scope, you know what I'm saying, what the possibility could be. I don't want anybody to believe. I, I, I honestly do not feel this way. I Just like I don't even feel like this is his team, like not fully, you know, not not to a point where we want it to be his team. Like I don't feel like like if, if Drew Brees had a, a week like this, we know, man, Drew Brees going to be the quarterback this this week, next week, and the weeks to come. I can't say that about Jameis Winston. I don't think anybody can say that about Jameis Winston. I think that he's a starting quarterback. I think that they're giving him opportunity. But if he goes out there and he's not being as effective, I don't I don't put it past the New Orleans Saints to put in Andy Dalton. I don't. Because this this is this isn't like to a point where I just feel like he's just the under undeniable leader of this team, like like Drew was in years past. So yeah, he gotta he gotta perform. You know, he he has to perform. I mean, it's just I mean, I want him. Like we can 
look, as as a human being, I think we all love Jameis Winston. Like, well, some of us do. You know, so I don't know about everybody. I'm just say for the majority of the people that I've seen, I, that's, that's fair enough. The majority of the people that I've seen love themselves in Jameis Winston. They like his his personality, his attitude, uh, his optimism. But that's all good, man. But you got to go out there and perform. And people care about results. You know, people can like you all day. You know what I'm saying? Like you can go to the barbecue and be the life of the party and all that kind of stuff there, man. You know, but people want to see if you can produce. And if you're not producing at a high rate, if you're, you know, you two up and down, teams don't know what they're going to get from week to week, they're going to go in a different direction. Because the 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 word for quarter, the quarterback position is consistency. They want to know that you are consistent more times than not. If you're not, then, um, you know, you might find yourself on the outside looking in. Educated Aries says, salute, bro. Congratulations on the success, new subscriber. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for subscribing to the channel. Uh, who that TJ? What's going on, Young City? Uh, Jason, I agree with you. SOTS subscriber since 2018. Yeah, Jerry, you've been here since the beginning, and I appreciate that. 132 watching, one like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's accurate. Probably, you know what I'm saying, probably before – you probably said that. Uh, hit the like button. I agree with that, though. You know, hit the like button if you're here. Only take a few seconds. Just hit that like button. Uh, you way better than those fake analysts like <laughs> Nikki on uh, First Things First. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, man, Nick Wright is a character. Um, it, it's just it is what it is. Man, he's got like we have to understand. We have to understand that. It's about te- television and being on television is about entertainment. Doesn't always have to be about being right and being wrong. It's about entertainment. Like it, it's about keeping the sponsors happy and, and keeping eyes on the product. That's what it's all about. It's not so much about being right and being wrong. That's why a lot of times these guys jump out the window because at the end of the day, you might clown them for being wrong. But that check gonna be right, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> For real, like shoot, like I, we can go out here, man. Look what he said. Look, look what he said. And I do it all the time, but I don't think these guys care. You think Stephen A. Smith cares? Like, okay, I said, like I, I posted that um, about uh, them talking about the Bucks and the Saints being a robbery on first uh, first take yesterday. And um, you think he actually cares? No, you know what I mean. This guy makes what about twelve to fourteen million dollars a year. You know, to talk loud on TV and, and say all these, you know, funny things and make fun of the Cowboys. So I think this guy actually cares. So these guys are, are about, you know, holding their position and being able to be capitalists. And if that means I got to troll a little bit, that means that I got to, you know, be the bad guy. If that means I got to portray this role, then fine. Because I, I've learned, like, interviewing individuals and getting to know individuals behind the scenes that a lot of them are are completely different than what they actually betray on television. I mean, I just think that is is a little bit of a character. Now, this is where I I differ from from that type of logic and thinking. Uh I just feel like it's going to come a time where you're not going to feel it, right? You're not going to be into it and it's going to be noticeable if you go on television and act a certain way or portray yourself in a certain way. Because people are going to be used to you being one way. That's why I decide 
just to be myself. You know, I can, I mean, to be honest with you, I can do that. I, I can, I can be a troll or, you know what I'm saying? Be like one of the people that just have these hot takes and take everybody off. I, I mean, I feel like I, I'm capable of doing it, but I, I, I rather, you know, be true to myself and, and, don't you know what I'm saying and don't lie to myself and don't lie to the general public at the expense of uh, a paycheck. You know, some people will do that. Some people will do that. Some people will play the role for a check. And then you got other people out here that stays true to themselves. But I, I look at like some of these other guys out here, you know, you may not like them, but like Joe Rogan and, and uh, Pat McAfee, like these individuals that, that are unapologetically themselves, and things seem to work out for them. That's that's the lane I I feel like I want to be in, because it's only a matter of time before somebody actually sees the passion that you have, and it's rather a sponsor wants to invest in it, a company wants to invest in it, or you know, some good things are going to happen. But as far as uh, Nick Wright, you know, I just think he's a character. I don't I don't believe remotely uh, that's who he is as as a person, but it is annoying, and I think he knows that even. Acknowledged that a few times. More Andy Dalton, Jawan Johnson, and Tony Jones will help the offensive line play better. So that's a good sign. Well, I, I won't. I can't say at this time that Andy Dalton uh, is the answer. You know, I I just I can't get down with that right now. I just think that it's too early into the season. It's only two games into the season now. If this continues to happen, right, the turnovers, uh, you know. The, the injuries, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that continues to happen, then I think maybe you need to go to Andy. But after two games, man, I just think that we just need to calm down. I just think that we we have been programmed to believe that Jameis Winston is who he is, and we just like, he ain't never going to change. And then after this game right here, it just kind of, you know, build up by anxiety, right? It just made our anxiety even worse when it came to him. So now it's like, well, this is the sign of things to come. So let's just go ahead and get rid of this right now so we can move forward. But it's no guarantee. It's no guarantee that he's he's the answer. I'm talking Andy Dalton. It's, it's no guarantee. Like, if you go to Andy Dalton, no, would you think the Saints going to uh, reach their full potential? Like, it's no guarantee that can happen. So I just think that it's just week two, and I think we need to see more. Now, if it happens, if it continues to happen, then I, I'll be on board, but it's only been one game. I feel like I don't feel advantage has kind of lost its touch. I definitely love us playing on the road, more dog in us. Yeah, Reggie, yeah, the, the mystique of the Superdome is gone. Um, but don't feel advantage and all that kind of stuff, like that, that's passe. The Saints are like 15 and 10 and since 2019 in the Superdome, so – as far as like it being like this this place where dreams come to die, um, not so much these days. Uh, that's what happened to the Vikings on Monday night. They got away from running the ball with Delvin Cook. Uh, Kirk, too much passing. Yeah, man, I, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why they was uh, – well, I understand, nah, I understand why they were passing the ball because – you got Fletcher Cox and uh, Jordan Davis up front. <laughs> like, shoot, I, you ain't about to run on that. So I can understand why they, they decided to get a rate from the run, but I just also felt like maybe you need to like utilize the screen game, you know, maybe let, let those screen passes be an extension of the run, and maybe that could have happened. But putting your hopes and dreams and fate and Kirk Cousins on a primetime on, on a primetime stage on Monday night, 
is a recipe for disaster. I mean, I don't know if it's just the lights get too bright for him or, I mean, he just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he go to bed around that time more times than not and he just not prepared. I don't know what's going on. But uh, this guy plays terrible on Monday nights, you know. Let's see. If our offense would have uh, clicked early in the game, we would have blown them out. That's true. That's true. If it would have. But if he would have, uh, if Jameis would have connected on some of these deep passes, I don't even think we would be having these conversations. Like I said at the beginning of this show, it was a fine line between Chris Olave having what five catches for eighty yards and him having about you know seven catches for you know a, a buck sixty or something like that. Like the he was open, you know. It was just the fact of uh, getting him the ball and the accuracy issues down the field were a problem in that game. Uh, Winston should have been uh, playing with a, he shouldn't have been playing with a broken back. I mean, he missed running first. Uh, 10 uh, plus checkdowns, three picks, one fumble. Nah, they did wrong by him playing him with a broken back. Well, I do agree with that. Sometimes you got to protect these players from themselves. A uh, player is going to play because they're a warrior, and that's what he is. He's a warrior. He's a guy that's going to battle it out. He's a guy that's going to continue to, um, you know, to fight to the very end. And um, that's just in his DNA. And I commend him for that. Um, everybody know how I feel about them, but sometimes you got to protect those guys from themselves. And also just think that, you know, Jameis knows what's up when it comes to his position with this team and his, his position in his career. And I just think that, you know, he wants to go out there because I mean, you, you gotta, you know what I'm saying? You gotta be a competitor on the field. And you got to be a competitor off the field as well. You know what I'm saying? And I don't care how many times, you know, Andy Dalton gets on the mic like, man, I'm I'm here. You know, Jameis needs me to see things. Man, this man want to play. All right? I don't care who, who, who the backup is. You know what I'm saying? Like, Trey Lance, you know, unfortunately broke his ankle and he's out for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo, who been starting for the 49ers, now was the backup. They restructured his deal in order for him to come back. Boy, you talk about the the guy smiling down on the 49ers, but you don't think in the back of his mind. Like, he probably didn't want the guy to be hurt, of course. You know what I'm saying? But probably in the back of his mind, like, man, now I got my chance again. Like, these guys are competitors, man. These guys ain't trying to sit around holding no clipboard. These guys want to play. So you don't think when (laughs) – you think Andy Dalton, if Jameis Winston goes down, you think he going to have in his mind, like, Man, I just want to hold this down until Jameis gets back. No, he's going to go into the game like, man, I'm about to light this thing up so I can take his job. It's a it's a competition, folks. And you know what I'm saying? Like, just because these guys are on the same team don't mean that these guys don't want their position. You know, you don't think, you know, you don't think, uh, you know, you have Justin Evans who've been playing, uh, you know, been playing nickel and safety uh, for the last couple of weeks. You don't think Alante Taylor wants his job? You don't think that? You think he just came in the game? Okay, man, let me back up Marshawn. Let me make sure I just do a commendable job. These guys want to play, right? So you don't think that he has that in the back of his mind? He does. And I think that that plays a huge role, but that's when teams have to step in. And uh, we all know that these teams care about the bottom line. And, you know, regards to what they say about these players, man, these players are accessories. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's what they look at them as, you know, like go out there and make the organization look good. And and sometimes, you know, they they know these guys are hurt. They know the severity of their injury. They know what, what the cost is. But 
we need to get these we need to get these wins so sometimes you got to protect those players from themselves and in that case i don't know you know i, I think that we got to be very careful because if Jameis winston would have won this game with four fractures in his back then the narrative would have been man that man went out there and beat the tampa bay buccaneers with four fractures in his back now it's like Oh, he had four fractions in his back. That's the reason why we lost. Nah, man. Like, we can't have it both ways because we would have sound like some of these spin doctors out here. Like, one thing we're going to do sometimes, and we got to get away from it, we're going to spin a narrative to benefit how we feel. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> it's like this, uh, this, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan put on Twitter. He put, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Saints two out of three, what is it, two out of three times in the Superdome. Like we can basically spin a narrative any way that we want to, right? To benefit us, the way I think. And yeah, they, you know what I'm saying? They've been beating us, but we beat them two out of three times. Well, what happened the last couple of times? You know what I'm saying? Like, why is everybody making this a big deal? Why is the first time, you know, Brady beat them in a regular season? So we can make a narrative to, you know, make us feel better about ourselves or whatever, you know, but you know, we got to be careful with that. Because like I said, the narrative would have been he would have went out there and beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with four fractures in his back. But now we're trying to, you know, use that like, oh, that's the reason why he, he didn't, you know, uh, I don't know. All I know is people don't care about that. Like, they're, they're not saying, they're not bringing doctors or, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, chiropractors or nobody out on TV trying to have some, giving people a reason to have sympathy for Jameis Winston. What they're throwing is, what they're doing is they're they're putting up those three interceptions and they basically saying that's who he is. They they'll they'll take it any way they can get it, folks. Okay? Nobody cares. Like you you have these guys going out here, high ankle sprains, taped up to the gills. Oh, they didn't play well. That's the narrative. When you're out there, the only thing people see is your number and the name on the back of your jersey. I think Shannon Sharp said that. That's absolutely right. If you're out there, they feel like you're well enough to play. So they're not going to throw him uh, any, uh, you know, life rafts or anything like that, life jackets. The, they not they need to keep the narrative alive. So in that case, you know, that's when you have to have these coaches protect these guys from themselves. Minnesota offensive line isn't good at run blocking, if we're being honest. Uh, it's very early in the season. We just have to hold our judgment until the end of the season. A lot can change. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, you know, a lot of people are prisoner of the moment. A lot of us is just upset that we lost. And we know, man, it's a bad taste in our mouth, right? From Sunday to Saturday, right? We have to, like, be constantly reminded, like, this team lost and what they're going to do. And is this an indication of what what's to come? And, you know, when you start thinking about that four-quarter comeback, you know, it, it don't look as heroic. It, mo- it, it starts to look like... You know, yeah, we did struggle against the Falcons, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it it it, it goes from, man, that was a hell of a, a comeback to, yeah, we did struggle against the Falcons. Yeah, and we lost to, you know, like, it, it starts to change because we don't like to lose, right? So we we try to, you know, we, we don't like that feeling. But like you just said, Dana, it's, it's early. It's too early in the season for us to say that this is an indication of anything. Saints three and one, Bucks two and two, headed into Saints week five, a uh, home matchup versus the Seahawks. Their schedule will improve. Saints offensive cohesion tells me so. Positive vibes, family. Look, all, all I know is I don't know what their record is going to be. 
All I know is you need to be able to get this thing together. And, you know, we, we can't be out here being on some Trevor Simeon-ish, right? Meaning, you know what I'm saying, you basically getting yards in garbage time when the defense is about as soft as a baby's bottom. You got to be able to execute every single quarter, right? You know, there should be like some quarter of offensive efficiency I can pinpoint coming on this show. Uh, you know, Deuce or Wyndham can go on this show and break down, or Nick Underhill can do the same thing, or some of these the other people out here that, that break down the film. So when I, when I can basically fast forward, like <laughs> the last couple of weeks for the New Orleans Saints, let's just be real. Like, let's just be honest. I know we don't want to admit this, but let's just say if you're one of those Saints fans that missed the game because you had to work. Right. I mean, honestly, if you go back home and and watch this game on DVR, you're like, no, 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 no. Don't tell me what happened. Don't tell me what happened. Going home to watch the game and you go down, you go to your house, you sit down on your very comfortable recliner. Right. You chilling. Right. You chillaxing. (laughs) And, you know, say you got your you got your nice beverage. You know what I'm saying? You got your your Bud Light, your Budweiser. If you're not into, you know, alcoholic beverages, you got your Coke, you got your Sprite and you turn the game on. In all honesty, you can fast forward to the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? Like in, in both of those games, like da 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 da. da. Okay, they did. They doing something right now. So basically, you know, like it, it's not like okay, they went in. You know what I'm saying? Okay, how did they score this touchdown? How did they score that touchdown? Y'all know how they do it. You know, if you if you ever watch like or type in a team, you know, NFL, they put the highlights up, right? That people can kind of go back in order to watch. You can basically just fast forward to the full quarter in both of these games, because unless you like, you know, a uh, uh, a lover of defense and struggles, you know, like you can just go ahead and fast forward to the end of the game because there's nothing really to write home about. A couple tackles here, you know, what I'm saying it's something there. Like I said, if you're into defense, but honestly, you can just fast forward, you know, to the full quarter. You last couple of games, and that's something that you just don't want. Like you want. Your team to be efficient, like even if they're not scoring, like even if they're not scoring, uh, they're kicking field goals or, um, you know, you get into midfield, you have to punt. At least, you know, what I'm saying you can say, OK, on this drive, you know, the the key play on this drive was a, a 10 yard catch to Chris Alave for a first down on third and four. They, they connected with Landry for seven, you know, and then, you know, the next uh, three plays, you know, they went three and out. You know what I'm saying? They had to, they had to punt. Right. So, I mean, but when you have to be like, you know, first, you know, first, second, third punt, you know, you, you're being a three and out, the three and out boys, you know, like that's not a good thing. So, yes, you you do need consistency, even if you're not scoring. You still want to, you know, put put forth some some good drives and those drives are few and far in between, especially in the, in the first three quarters of those games. TJ, most of the teams that start 2-0, 3-0, most of them uh, don't even make the playoffs. Facts. Well, I'd rather be one of those teams that's 2-0 and 3-0 and, and, you know what I'm saying, and make the playoffs, but I'd rather take that risk of being 2-3-0. and and I'll tell you that. You know, I'd rather be undefeated than being defeated, or, you know what I'm saying, or, or winning one, losing one. You know, I, I'd rather be in that number. And I'm pretty sure if those teams that start 2-0 and and three and oh, I mean, it, there's a there's a high percentage of those teams that actually make the playoffs. I've had back pains, pains be so bad, almost make you want to uh, ish yourself. Yeah, T Dirty. I mean, 
back pain is nothing to write. I mean, to write, well, I'm going to say write home, but something to be, you know what I'm saying? Like just to kind of be looking at as not being as bad. Like I've heard people talking about this man had problems like getting out of his car. You know, I've heard that, you know, saying that man had problem like, like getting out of his car, like to going to the game. Like that, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes once again, you got to protect these players uh, from themselves. I see a lot of folks aren't realizing you use your back a lot more than you think. Rotating your body to throw the football definitely adds more pressure to the back. That's not one. It's four fractures. Yeah. And like I said, if it if it's a concern, then I don't think you need to have him out there. I mean, when you agree, when you agree. <laughs> I mean, you should have him out there. I mean, that's that's the way I feel about it. Uh, you uh, just can't ignore back fractures. Uh, they don't just magically disappear. Your body is affected. Yeah, it takes time to heal. And I can tell you a 300-pound lineman landing on it uh, or the possibility of doing so won't help the cause. Falcons almost beat the Rams. Bucks are a good defense. They know Jameis, man, I'm not worried. Give Jameis time to gel together with three guys. He just now played a game with. Well, Jason, I, I don't feel like that's a that's a good enough excuse, man. And I get it. Yeah, we I do feel like we need to give him time. But just like they say, Jameis knows. I mean, the the teams know Jameis. Jameis knows those teams. So it goes both ways. Uh, you got to be able to play well, and you definitely got to be able to play well against your division rivals, because by beating them, that gives you a stronger chance of winning the division. You know, so you you got to be able to beat those guys. These guys need to play in the preseason. The first four weeks of the season is practice. Well, you know, I think that, you know, teams look at, I'd rather have a guy get hurt in the season than a guy getting hurt in preseason. It's just as simple as that. They don't want their stars out there to be be susceptible of getting hurt. Going up against a guy who's probably going to be your local UPS man, Amazon driver, or the local physical, uh, you know, physical therapist, or you know, like your your, your personal trainer at a LA Fitness. Like, ain't nobody trying to go out there and risk their star players to get hurt by a guy with bad technique and trying to fly around the field head first because he want to get his eyes, get the coach's eyes on him. I don't blame him. All right, I, I don't blame him for that. But at the same time, you know, there, there's some sacrifices that that are made when you don't bring those guys out here. And I think in in some teams' cases. Uh, they're paying the price for not playing some of their star players. Uh, you really think Tampa Bay is going to beat the Green Bay Packers? Uh, you out of your mind? Uh, I do. I, I believe they will. Uh, number one, uh, the Green Bay Packers, um, they beat the Chicago Bears. Like, I understand that Chicago Bears, they won the first game versus the 49ers and all that kind of stuff. It was a downpour. It rained all day during that game. More times than not, the Chicago Bears lose to the Green Bay Packers. Um, we all know Aaron Rodgers had that that old saying, I own y'all. But I, I just think that the Green Bay Packers and what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, possess, uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like. They're a team that can get pressure on them. And we all know if you sack Aaron Rodgers to get in the backfield three or four times, he's going to start like just throwing the ball away because he's going to become disinterested. You know, I'm I'm I know people were like making a big deal about Aaron Rodgers. There was a time when people were like, man, should we go after Aaron Rodgers? But I, I never really just truly been a fan of Aaron Rodgers as far as his his quarterback play, as far as his arm talent, outstanding. 
I mean, you have to be an absolute moron not to uh, respect that. But I just think that his personality uh, and, and real time situations, I think that it's uh, it is going to continue to affect the Green Bay Packers. He's going to throw passes and he's going to throw touchdowns and stuff like that uh, when he feels motivated to do so. It's almost like to me, he's the Mike Evans of quarterback. Right. You know, what I'm saying you get locked up, you're getting frustrated and stuff like that because passes coming your way. You're not catching them because this dude is knocking the ball out your hand or being disruptive. It's like a gnat flying in your face. Aaron Rodgers is the same way. You start getting pressure on him, getting him on the ground. He's just going to start heaving that thing up because he's going to be getting mad because he's he seeing more pressure than he like. And I just think that Tampa won't end up beating him just, just for that simple fact right there, because Aaron Rodgers becomes disinterested when he feels like his back is against the wall. Like to me, you know, that the word grandstanding comes around a lot. I think he's the ultimate grandstander. I don't think like when it comes down to it, there's some guys that that have that 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 gene in them that just kind of, you know what I'm saying, comes on and be like, like Joe Burrow has it in my opinion. Like when when the game is on the line, like, come on, man, we, let, let's go. Let's you you okay, you got okay, you got me on that one. I'm I'm gonna be sling, I'm slinging, I'm gonna run it. I'm going to do everything I can. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if I'm about to slide and you're about to hit me. I'm still about to do this. Aaron Rodgers, to me, don't have that. If Aaron Rodgers feel like in the second quarter, late in the third quarter, that uh, our team just ain't got it today, he's just going to become disinterested and he's just going to be trying to do everything he can to, one, get the ball out of his hands, or two, try to sustain his touchdown to interception ratio. And what Tampa does, I just think that it's a recipe for disaster. That's, that, that, I mean, that's just how I feel. Sorry, I know this is the state of the same podcast, but we start talking about that. that that's, I mean, I don't think I don't think Green Bay gonna win. Uh, Saints have yet to come close to putting together a complete quarter, yet alone a complete half of a game. Uh, we knew there would be growing pains, and uh, so far they are. Uh, it's early; they will get better. I ain't worried. In 2017, we went on two and finished 11 and five. 2018, we went one and one and finished 13 and three. In 2019, we went one and one and finished 13 and three. In 2020, we went one and two and finished 12 and four. All right, so there's a lot of optimism there. Uh, I definitely agree with that. The Saints always seem to start slow. They always seem to start slow in the first half, as well as the first half of the season. It's funny that the booty band is forced five <laughs> turnovers and only one by ten. The media spins it all Brady. Pretty much. That's messed up, TJ. Y'all ain't have to embarrass my Grambling Tigers like that. After we uh, was down by a big number, I took my little man to the park. Well, yeah, man, I look. Yeah, they beat them, what, 66 to 24? Yeah, that was pretty bad. And, um, I mean, Jackson State on a mission right now, man. I, I don't see them losing. I don't see them losing any game. I don't. I don't see them losing any game. I, I think – look, I will say this, though. Um the way Gramlin was playing Jackson State in the first half, when Gramlin starts to get more talent to be able to match some of the talent Jackson State have, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough game to play, and Gramlin will be good. They they have the right game plan. They just didn't have the talent to be able to match up. Like if you start getting like some of those defensive players, uh, you know some of them four and five stars, which I know Hugh Jackson will because you know he can get you to the league. I think that's when you're gonna start to see an improvement. Uh, you're gonna start to see an improvement with uh with Gramlin. But they had a, they had the right game plan. 
they just didn't have the horses in the barn to be able to, you know, keep up with what Jackson State was doing. Uh, Jameis been in the league eight years in comparison. Jalen Hurts been in the league three years, and he's balling. Uh, wait a minute now. Wait, wait, hold, hold your horses now. Wait a minute now. Wait a second, okay? This man had one game. This man had one game where he looked like he was a beast. Other games where I look at, you know what I'm saying, unless you talk about him playing the Saints, I ain't seen much. So I need I need to see consistency. I ain't, Look, I ain't about to just sit up here, oh, this dude had one, you know what I'm saying, one game, and it's just like, oh, he about to be the star in the league. Now, I will concede to the fact what I said earlier, I, I think that he's going to be a continued starter. But to be comparing him after one game where, you know, he put up some a lot of a lot of yards totally. But you got to be able to be consistent, man. You know, you, you got to be consistent. You got to be able to play every single week with that same level of intensity. And we'll see where we at. All right. Uh, I came for the Saints fantasy content. <laughs> uh, you want the Saints fantasy content? OK, I'll tell you this right here. Um, if I'm playing somebody, I'll tell you exactly who you need to play. In this game, this is a game tailor-made for Chris Olave. Seriously, this is a game that's tailor-made for Chris Olave. I would not be surprised if uh, Chris Olave goes over 100 yards in this game because I think there's going to be a there's going to be an emphasis on Michael Thomas, which I'm pretty sure they're going to put J.C. Horn on there on him, and then you have Jarvis Landry working like the middle of the field. And um, I think he's probably going to be dealing with, like, Jeremy Chen or something like that, which, you know what I'm saying, like, I feel like Jeremy Chen, he's a little bit of a thumper. And then you have those other uh, cornerbacks that are out there as well. But I just think that I like Dante Jackson a lot. I'm pretty, you know what I'm saying, I, I like Dante Jackson a lot. Um, he's fast. He has, like, re- really good vertical. But sometimes he is susceptible to getting beat, you know what I'm saying, especially on, like, some of those deep passes down the field. So. I know it didn't work last week, but I, I'm, if you think that they're just going to stop doing that, I, to to be quite honest with you, the fact that it was overthrown and the fact that the, the ball wasn't where it needed to be at at that time, they can go to the film and look at that and be like, okay, this is what we did wrong, and this is what we're going to correct. So if I'm I'm doing fantasy, I'm looking at Chris Olave. I'm also uh, I'm also looking. And I'm look, I'm looking at uh Christian McCaffrey too. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had 100 uh, what 105 yards last week off 15 carries, and he also had a couple catches. You know, what I'm saying? so and we know he does well against the Saints. So I wouldn't be biased in my fantasy if I'm trying to win. You know, if I, I'll be highly surprised if, if Chris McCaffrey don't do nothing in the game versus the Saints. And I know we got. Uh, Pete Warner now, and yes, he he is leading the league as of right now in solo tackles. But Chris McCaffrey is is a good a good player, and he plays really well uh, versus the Saints. But can also say that Ben McAdoo is the offensive coordinator, so I wouldn't really trust that. Uh, you just can't put the entire rhythm of the offense off on Jameis. We've seen him play well under Peyton. Well, I'm not. You know, I don't know who doing that. I think it's a, I think it's a, a collection of things. I don't think it's just uh, Jameis. Uh, hey TJ, I've been in and out of the show. What's your take on Alante play this last week? He got beat by Perriman, but made a great play and forced the ball deflection. I honestly, see Taylor replacing Roby. I don't see him replacing Roby, um, I, but I also, I, I, I will say, I see an uptick coming for his snaps. 
Um, I think he did okay. I mean, I, I got to see a, a larger sample size. I got to see a larger sample size for me to just say, oh, you know, you got something there. He came in, he made some plays when Tom Brady picked on him, but we all know that he was pretty talented anyway, but I just need to see it. I just need to see it on a consistent basis. And also, hopefully, I, I want to see uh, Paulson Adebo come back. Hopefully, that'll be the case this week. Hey, TJ, can you give a brief synopsis on what you covered on this episode I just got in? Uh, we were talking about the Saints' offense, what they need to do to improve their offense. I said they need to put more emphasis on a run, which will set up the play action for Jameis Winston. I also said they need to utilize uh, Taysom Hill a little bit more. Uh, he, yeah, I don't understand it. Like the game versus the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, you know, he had like 81 yards in that game. He had those two big plays, and then you ain't see him again. Uh, I think the Saints need to go for what's working. You know, what I'm saying you need to find a way to make. Uh, whatever work, you need to make it work. And also, I think that they need to add Deontay Hardy to the offense. Uh, I don't think they're doing it because of Chris Olave, but I just think that Deontay Hardy's skill set, he gives you speed with a combination of elusiveness and um, big playability. So that's what that's what we're talking about. And, of course, answering the questions from the Who That Nation. Well, we about to, I'm going to read a few more, and I got to go ahead and get up out of here, folks. Uh, our line is trash. Chris, I disagree with that. There are some plays where they got beat, but in this game last week, they played really well. And a lot of those sacks, you know, was because Jameis was holding on to the ball too long. Just like I feel like in that game in Atlanta, he was holding on to the ball too long. You know, there was a couple of plays where Grady Jarrett beat them, but I just think that you have to be able to help your, your offensive line out by getting that ball out or throwing that ball away. And I just think that that's something that, is making the offensive line uh, look look like they don't know what the heck they're doing out there. But in reality, they pretty they pretty decent. They ain't they ain't like top three or nothing like that. But they decent. But I think you know the right quarterback making the right decisions can make them look top three. Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, and Burrow all been in the league less time than Winston. Which one when you take over Winston? Um. I mean, I think they all are talented. You know, like I think they all are talented. And honestly, this is this isn't like you know what they say, uh, you know, Spider Man, No Way Home, or whatever like that. And this this is an alternative universe, like where you know you you got Justin Herbert, you got Josh Allen, like you ain't got these guys. I mean, me saying, oh, I'll pick one of these guys over Jameis. I mean, what would that benefit? I mean, it's not gonna happen. Jameis Winston is the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, period. So us saying, oh, man, he ain't better than Josh Allen. He ain't better than Lamar Jackson. Like, okay. what? I mean, none of those guys are coming through the door. So we might as well just go with what we have right now and, and believe in this guy. You know, like, what what do we benefit from trashing this dude or, or comparing him to other quarterbacks? They not coming to play for the Saints this season, you know? They're not coming. They ain't coming through the door. So the only thing that we can do is hope that this guy, you know, pans out and be the quarterback that his talent entails. So that's the way I look at it. That's the way I look at it. That's the way I feel like it should be. And, um, yeah, you know, I ain't, I'm not going to compare a guy that I want to wish well on some guys that, that are playing well for other teams and they have no – chance in in hell at playing for the new orleans saints 
Hey, TJ, what do you think they need to sit uh, Jameis Winston just this one week because he's hurt and let's come back? That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, look, if he's hurt and he's and he's not effective or he can't do some of the things and he kind of handicaps the offense, then, yes, I think that you need to sit him. You know, I don't think four fractures in your back are going to heal. Once again, if a 300-pound lineman falls on your back and is also causing you to make, like, certain decisions like, sliding or running for some extra yards because you don't want to take a hit yeah i do feel like uh that could affect the way that they do going forward which i don't know the injury report um i think they practiced today if i am mistaken so i don't know who practiced and who didn't i'm pretty sure the 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 reporters got that information but yeah tj did breeze get hate like this in 06 no no he didn't get hate like this in 06 but uh, but <laughs> Pierre, this, this is the thing, man. Um, <laughs> Drew Brees came to the New Orleans Saints when the quarterback position wasn't like considered elite, right? It wasn't like he had like big shoes to fill coming after Aaron Brooks. Like, <laughs> I'm just being real, like, he ain't have big shoes to fill coming after no Aaron Brooks. Like, Okay, you know what I'm saying? Aaron Brooks, he did some good things. But at that particular point, if Drew Brees would have gave you three weeks of consistent quarterback play, everybody would have been screaming like, man, we got a quarterback. You know, like that's just the way that it was. Jameis Winston has the distinction of being the man that comes after the man. So everything that happens, he's being compared. He's being compared to Drew Brees because Drew Brees left such a high standard that we as Saints fans now feel like a quarterback needs to be above or, to, or, or on the level of a Drew Brees. So that's the reason why. That's the reason why. Like, <laughs> Drew Brees coming to New Orleans, like, it was like, what we got to lose? Let's go with him, right? Jameis Winston coming to New Orleans, like, man, I wonder if he can put up some numbers like Drew Brees did. So, yeah, there's, there's a different standard. I mean, Drew Brees is the standard maker, and, uh, you know, anybody else that comes after him is going to be compared to him because of how great he was. Simple as that. 06 was different after Katrina. Now, uh, same uh, comparison. Um, Yeah, it's not the same. It's not a (laughs) – you can't compare that. But once again, you have modern-day Saints players, like, doing things – and creating narratives about the way the defensive line uh, needs to look, the linebackers need to look, secondary need to look in modern day, right? Back in the days, you were just lucky to have a guy that would deflect the ball, that would catch the ball, that would run the ball. You know, that's the that's the difference. That's the difference. These guys right now are setting the standards. So guys coming after them are going to be compared to them. Like running backs coming after Ingram and, and Kamara are going to be compared to Ingram and Kamara. Wide receivers are going to be compared to Michael Thomas, right? Who, who you know, like who the other guy going to be compared to? Maybe Marcus Colston. Marcus Colston getting compared to like Joe Horn. But if Michael Thomas, based on his trajectory, he's going to be better than both of those guys. And he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame if he stays healthy and he continues to play the way he's doing. So, He's going to be the standard when it comes to the wide receiver. So there you go. 
I'm not comparing Jameis to Breeze because they are to, uh, two totally different quarterbacks and two totally different er- eras and and two totally different standards they they uh they had at the time. And uh finally was uh in with Brandon he says uh he was a legend after that season not before he was considered washed up to be real because he was coming back from a shoulder injury and the Chargers didn't want him. Well, I don't know if you know he was looked at as washed uh but I think they looked at him as you know Phillip Rivers has more upside and that was during the time when we all know, you know, they wanted the quarterback to look look the part. Six four, six five, two thirty, big on. You know what I'm saying? Like walk off the walk off the bus. That's my quarterback right there. You know, Drew Brees kind of changed the narrative of the quarterback position. He made people see that you ain't got to be six four, six five to play the quarterback position. You can be five ten, five eleven, six feet and still play at a high level and still generate results. So. That's the way I look at it. So somebody had to be the first. Somebody had to be the first. Sometimes it's tough to be the first person, right? But if you set a big enough standard, then the guys coming after you will be able to have the opportunity to prove that they are, they are capable of doing some of the things that you've done. Just as simple as that. But this has been a State of the Saints podcast. Thank you all so much. Uh, I ask that you hit the like button if you enjoyed the State of the Saints podcast. Also, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, also, check out the State of the Saints podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're also available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. And you can also catch us on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Thank you all so much for being here. Have a good morning, noon, night, whenever you're checking out this podcast. And like always, all I got to say is, who that? <laughs>